Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Blue Wire. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the last. Oh, blocked by James. It's over. It's over. Cleveland is a city of champions once again. The Cleveland Cavaliers select Colin Sexton, Darius Garland. Here comes Sexton. Some rhythm. And he got it, young bro. Continues to wear him up. Do you know what the Cavs fans are calling the Darius Garland, Colin Sexton backcourt? What? Sexland. Oh, that's good. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast, part of the Blue Iron Network. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. The Cleveland Cavaliers lost a close one, but it was finally a close game. I, I've been missing competitive games. How about you, Carter? No, you threw to me quicker than I was expecting. I was <laughs> mid-sip of my uh, my beer. Um, no, normally, I introduce you as my co-host and everything, but I... Yeah, you I just kind of went there, huh? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, it was fun. It was fun to give a shit in the fourth quarter. You know, they had been kind of, you know, getting their teeth kicked in lately, as I thought they might, you know, in that the Clippers and then the two Bucks games. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was fun to see them, you know, be competitive, albeit against an also beat up Suns team, but with still, uh, you know, two of their top, three of their top four guys. So, yeah, still a very, very good team that, um, you know, clearly challenge them. I mean, I do think the Cavs probably win that game if Devin Booker doesn't go absolutely ballistic uh, for stretches uh, in crunch time. Yeah, I, I think there was actually a few different things that contributed to the loss. I mean, Devin Booker was obviously one of them. Um, I, I think we'll get into it shortly, but I, I think some of the rotations J.B. Bickerstaff made um, certainly didn't help their chances. I think Garland and Sexton both made mistakes down the stretches, and like that's Ooh, kind that of... passed up three from Darius. Oh, the passed up three, uh, Sexton with I think it was like twenty seven seconds to go, where I think he meant to dribble it out and then realized they had a chance at kind of a two for one situation and took that just terrible one legged threw away. Prayer. Which I just knew was hitting the bottom of the front of the rim. Right. And and, I mean, this is kind of what we've talked about even heading into this season where getting reps in these situations is just so important. Like it's important for Garland, Sexton, Okoro, even J.B. Bickerstaff, who I mean, this is kind of his maiden voyage as a head coach with the amount of control that he has. Um, I, I think that this is why you want to be in those situations because once your team has more expectations and, um, the stakes are a little higher, you don't want to still be going through the same growing pains or at least as many of the same growing pains. But, uh, I mean, just thank goodness we started the high power offensive pairing of Jared Allen and Andre Drummond. Do do you want to take a guess of what their offensive rating was for that game? I don't know, but I didn't feel like it was as bad as I thought it was. So, oh, let's say like 103. All right. So they played 30 minutes together and they had a 136. Offensive oh, my God. <laughs> OK, so it was way better than I thought it would be. <laughs> Jesus it, Christ. <laughs> it was a 136 offensive rating and a 129 defensive rating. They basically turned into like the seven seven seconds or less suns when it came My to God. offensive efficiency. Um, definitely a surprise. I, part of me, I, I was 
not thrilled with that pairing um, getting to start the game. It's something that I kind of, I, I think we had even talked about it a little earlier where we are saying, okay, well, Jared Allen deserves minutes and you're not really moving Andre Drummond to the bench. So if Larry Nance is out, wouldn't shock me to see them go with Jared Allen. Now, maybe some of the decision-making in this game was, hey, they're starting Aiden and Frank Kaminsky. We can get away with that uh, to some extent. And you got to but... size up for Frank at four. <laughs> Yeah, you, you just you got to make sure that you got the size in there. Um, but e- even then, especially when you're going out of zone, um, th- there were just so many times where they would leave an open shooter um, available because those guys just can't get out to the perimeter in the same way. I mean, they certainly can if they're just the solo five. I, I think Jared Allen has the ability to get out to the perimeter. But as a pairing, it just left them a little bit vulnerable. Yeah, I guess against a team that likes to shoot threes, though, they actually only took 24 in this game. But, I mean, mm-hmm. this, you know, we joked about, or we, I didn't even joke about it. I said that they might have been more competitive in this one if Booker didn't go nuts. They also would have gotten their asses kicked if Cam Johnson, who is a very good shooter, wasn't hitting the side of the backboard on most of his wide-open three-point attempts. <laughs> yes, that certainly helped. And, you know... I was getting into actually a pretty good conversation before the game about kind of the the decision to start the two centers and um, kind of some of the concessions that are being made right now. And while I don't necessarily love this, um, this choice, and I I think it might be a short term one because you, you look at Kevin Love warming up before the game, it sounds like he might be good to go in the very near future, but the, I, what I do want to kind of bring to the conversation is just a little bit more nuance in, in terms of there isn't exactly a perfect solution. Um, I, I think you and I are more inclined to favor offensive choices, right? Like I, I'd like to see Torian Prince out there to kind of space the floor. Um, I, they've experimented with Jetty in that situation as well. Which but, I think we're all pretty ready to not ever have happen again at the four. Right, right. But uh, in looking at it right now, what are the Cavs' biggest struggles? One, offensively, they haven't been good this season. That's very clear. Some of that's personnel. Some of that's um, choices they've made. Some of that's uh, players not executing. The other thing is defensive rebounding. They are the 29th team when it comes to defensive rebound rate. And I looked at the numbers, and when it's Drummond and Torian Prince out there without Larry Nance Jr., those numbers crater. They are awful. They don't have any rebounding. If they can get a stop, they give up a second chance opportunity, and the defensive rating's poor. So I I think what we're seeing right now is the team saying, you know what? I don't love our chances with any lineup, but we're just going to prioritize securing those rebounds and, and try to gear a little bit towards the defensive end. Can I can I actually say what I really think it is? Go ahead. Well, if I have no good options, I might as well start the guy that we just traded for. That is probably unhappy to be on the bench. <laughs> you know what? That might be part of it too. Like that that's the thing when we talk about like what decisions they can make when it comes to rotation and whatnot. Like Yes, we have our preferences and concessions are going to be made one way or another. But the, I mean, the team came into this season with a focus that we're going to build a foundation on the defensive end. We are going to turn this around from the worst defense in history to prioritizing it. Guys will get minutes based on how they perform on the defensive end. And like, it, it's not my favorite thing to watch. The Obviously, the offense worked out fine against the Suns. But from a process standpoint, like... 
it's not a lot of fun, but it has kept them competitive to this point. You know, it's fun for me. It's just competitive. I don't really care what road we take up the mountain to get there. And yeah, I don't know. I, I don't have, feel super strongly about it. If I were the coach, maybe I would have started Prince. But mm-hmm. either way, you know, it's it's basically if you start Prince, you're basically either deciding to take JaVale out of the rotation again and play, you know, either put Dean Wade in or play, you know, Jetty ba- as the backup for Dylan Windler as your backup for, which is fine. Yeah. Uh, or you're saying keep JaVale in the rotation and put his minutes with Jared Allen. And that has been a disaster. And I don't need to look up the numbers to tell you that. So, you know, I just don't think he has a lot of enviable options here. Um, I I think if there's anything to grumble about, it's that, and I don't know if you're ready to have this yet. It's like the grumble right now, I think with JB, other than, you know, I do think last night he kept the guard, he kept the guards off the floor too long, too much point Dodson. um, And he should have gotten at least one of them back out there. But with that said, I think the number one gripe right now is he's not putting up lineups that can generate a lot of threes. Mm -hmm. And I have an idea to do that. And I'm curious what you think of it, which is I think um, for multiple reasons, Isaac Okora would be best served coming off the bench. I I know that we had talked about this within the construct of playing with Larry Nance as opposed to Kevin Love. I think I just think he's better off the bench right now. I, I think that's certainly possible. I, I do think when Kevin Love comes back, I would still try to run it out there with Okoro. Like, even though Okoro didn't shoot well, I like that he was being aggressive. I liked his and, game against the Suns, to be clear. I, I, I did too. And you know what? It, it's tricky because the priorities for this season, yes, they want to be competitive and they want to win as many games as possible. But we, we've talked about it this year where – you want to win games like if this team makes the playoffs, you want it to be as a result of the young guys playing well. And Okoro starting might not give you your best team lineup, but it might be as simple as, hey, he's doing everything that we asked him to do, right? Like, yeah, he- and this is not to be clear. I don't even think this is a criticism of Isaac Okoro, you know, other than like he's not a super productive rookie because almost none are in terms of yeah. contributing to winning. I guess here's here's what I want from Isaac Okoro right now. I yep. want him to play less minutes because, and I thought the game against the Suns was a perfect number for him. He played 25 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has been playing much more than that. I'm pulling it up right now as I speak. Uh, yeah, he plays 34 minutes a game right now. Right. 34 minutes a game. That's crazy. I think 20. I think he should be playing less minutes so he can you know better leverage his energy and all that stuff. And, uh, you know, not be playing out there tired as a rookie. I also think he should be playing lower impact minutes uh, against lineups where he does not have to be a perfect offensive player to be helpful. You know, Mm -hmm. I I, I want him to feel like he can stretch his ball handling wings a little bit more and his playmaking a little bit more and work on that skill set in an NBA setting. And he's not going to get to do that with the starters. So if I want him to cut down on minutes and play less, high leverage minutes, I don't see a better solution because what I also don't want to see, Justin, is just a decrease in minutes where you're just doing the Keith Bogan special where he's starting the two halves and that gets him, you know, 15 minutes and then he's just, you know, you know, getting a few garbage minutes elsewhere to get to 20, 25. Like, I, I lo- that's why I just like him off the bench. I mean, do you, do, you, do you at least see where I'm going logically, even if you don't agree with the outcome? 
Yeah, I, I do see where you're going logically. And uh, I we talked about the season where those minutes need to be earned. And I, I think the priority for me would be, okay, if he is having a good game, you want to structure the rotation in a way where you can play him closing the game, right? That he can get those reps. Um, you, you want him to be in that position. I, I think especially in a situation where you are starting Allen and Drummond or let's say Larry with a busted hand and Drummond, those are situations where you might benefit from starting Prince, right? Like where where you can actually get a little more three-point shooting, a little more spacing for the, the guards because you're not getting it from your bigs. <clears throat> and um, I, I do think that there's some merits to moving Okoro to the bench. I just would like to see some time with Kevin Love because um, especially if you're talking about what we anticipate to be kind of their starting lineup of post-trade deadline, which is Garland, Sexton, Okoro, Love, and Jared Allen. Those are kind of two defensive-minded, low-usage guys in Allen and Okoro, and two dynamic guards to play off of Kevin Love. And, like, I, I want to see that in action. And I, I, I don't know if it necessarily takes away from Okoro if you're moving him to the bench before Love comes back. But as I said before, it might just be as simple as, hey, he's doing the things that the team is asking him to do, and we're not going to move him to the bench because we anticipated struggles. We anticipated some of these issues coming up this year. Sure. And I just think ultimately the reason I feel this way in the end is because I think he would be well served by the development that comes with a little bit more of a role on offense that he could then slot back into his low usage uh, minutes when it comes to crunch time but you know you know all these plays where dylan windler is freelancing with the ball right now yeah <laughs> i'd like to see those be isaac okoro minutes see I, I don't know if he's ready for that i i honestly I don't, don't think dylan windler is and he's at least getting the reps i i think windler's more ready for it like i i think uh, from control like he's got a shaky ball handle but like i don't think it's as shaky as even jetty osmond's like i i don't know if isaac okoro is ready for the those type of reps like i I don't well, that's why I like them in lower leverage uh, minutes against worse lineups. You know, oh, and, he can't and fuck up right now because I, of who he's playing against. I understand the logic behind it 100%. It's just, I just don't know if he's ready for that. Like, maybe that's something you tinker around with a little bit after the All-Star break. Um, maybe just taking a step away is going to help him. Yeah, I, I there's no easy answers, though. Like, and that's one of the main things I want to address is that no matter what changes you make, you're taking something else off of the table. And I, I think that there are some reasons to have some concerns uh, with J.B. Bickerstaff. But at the same time, this is a team that has overachieved this season. Um, I'm not very concerned. <laughs> I'm I'm not very concerned either, but I'm I'm saying for those that don't take the long view the same way that we do, I think there are some reasons for short-term concerns, but the the young guys do seem to be developing, they do seem to be getting better by the game, they're bought in, and what the messaging is is consistent with what we want to see. They say, "Yeah, we want to get those three-pointers up there." When we started the season, they were looking to generate those three-point attempts. So I, I, if if it was a situation where they're saying, we're going to zig when other teams are zagging and we're not going to shoot threes and, and things like that, then I'd have a little more concern. Uh, whereas right now, yeah, some of the, the lineup decisions have made it more difficult to get that three-point attempt rate up there. But at the same time, some of this is just execution. 
Some of this is Darius Garland not being willing to poll yet. Colin Sexton being kind of selective in when he chooses to poll. Like he, he took a couple of pull-ups against Phoenix and that's what we want to see. We want to see him take more attempts like he did against Brooklyn. Dylan Windler, um, I, I love seeing that step back. That was like the first time he's hunted a shot, but we want more of that out of him. We basically want it from everybody that's not named Jetty Osman, and we're not getting that yet. Yeah, boy, Jetty is conscienceless. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe maybe share some of that. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I This is the one spot where I'm not worried about JB at all because, you know, every – Every public bit of evidence suggests what you're saying, which is, you know, they want to get more threes up. Uh, you know, they're they have limited options because of injuries, et cetera, et cetera. It is the one spot where I wish I could be a fly in the wall in the locker room. Like mm-hmm. I want to, I wish I could sit in at halftime after Darius takes, you know, ten floaters against uh, Milwaukee, and I want to know whether coaches are saying that's your shot, keep taking it, versus. Mm. Hey, they're playing drop coverage and you have five feet of space between you. You got to pull, you got to take some threes. We're not going to win the math game here. Um, Because that's the biggest thing with the, you know, like the math problem I love as an analogy for not taking enough threes, like using that, like you're just losing the math problem because it actually just shows it lays very bare that it's not a matter of effort or ability or execution. It's that you are losing a structural battle. Mm-hmm. And you know, I, I want I, I want to know if the Cavs coaching staff is is kind of informing and and training pl- the players to think that way because I do not think as much as we want it to be, it is in Darius's nature to take ten threes in a game mm-hmm. right now. I just yeah. don't think there's any evidence to suggest that's the way he likes to play. So the coaching staff is going to have to push him in that direction. You know, I was listening to CJ McCollum on, I think he was on Simmons pod, whatever it was. uh, And he was talking about how he had to have his coaches drill into him that he has to run to the corner and on fast breaks. Mm. He doesn't want to either, (laughs) but but the coaches have convinced him that it is the right choice and he does it now. And that's what the Cavaliers need to get to, in my opinion. Yeah, and sometimes I I think people assume that it's almost like a football-like mentality where every decision that's made on the court is being made by the coaching staff, whereas, yeah, we we can scapegoat them. Coaches have, like, no control. (laughs) Right. Like, my my favorite example is still the Raptors when they had Rudy Gay, and after he got traded to Sacramento, um, they asked Wayne Casey, hey, you guys are taking more threes, the ball's moving, like, what different sets have you implemented? What, What changes have been made? And he said, we're running the same offense. I'm making the same play calls. It's just an execution thing. We have different personnel out there that um, plays a different style of basketball. And um, I, I think especially because, like, I, I think it's fair to say, e- even though I'm someone with high expectations for Garland, like, early on, I, I think Garland's been better than I would have anticipated. Sexton's been better than I would have anticipated early on. Uh, these are guys that have started slow and you usually get better as the year progresses. And we, we don't want to ever assign them blame when it's still in this really fun cycle uh, or fun stage in their growth cycle. But at the same time, like acknowledging, hey, they need to make better decisions out there. They can go to another level when they start getting that three point rate up. Um, like s- some of this does come down to the players. And uh, we, we've, I, I think when it comes to JB Bickerstaff, like 
this is an opportunity for him to grow along with the team, right? And there's always changes that you can make, whether it be assistance, whether it be internal growth, like even Nick Nurse, another great example, like he, he got a lot of criticism the year after they fired Dwayne Casey uh, throughout the year for bad adjustments, end of games, even uh, when, when they were losing to the Sixers for a moment there. And he got better, right? Coaches have good and bad games, and that's why it's so important for them to be competitive in these games, to, to have these crunch time minutes, because they can figure out what does and does not work, whether it be players determining what their skill set will allow for, and coaches understanding who they can rely on in those moments, what changes need to be made to the rotation, etc. Yeah, I mean, that. ultimately, I completely agree with you. And I just don't think that we have enough evidence on JB to, to really pull any kind of, uh, you know, hot takes like he's not a good coach or he's letting me down. I mean, the only thing we really, really, really can evaluate, and this is what our good friend Ryan Morton always says, the only thing you can really look at when complaining about a coach is rotations, you know? Like, that was the only thing we can, like, watch and see in real time. But most of the stuff is stuff we're not going to like, we're just not privy to. So yeah. I'm not going to hand- always handled by the head coach. Yes. either. Sometimes yeah. it's an assistant that does the rotations. Right. So, so I'm not going to hand ring about any, any, any lineups right now, especially given what's available. You know, like I saw the air, the Allen Drummond pairing. And I was like, Ugh. but you know, like I don't, again, he's got you know, a limited set of options. I think it's not time to worry about rotations when the team isn't close to whole. Right. And you know, once the team gets healthy and is starting to kind of play, you know, the way that they're going to play, you know, when we get to post trade deadline. And I also think that ultimately, I think we actually should pivot to this discussion here, which is why are, why are Cavs fans so grumpy right now? One, it's their nature. Two, <laughs> two, I do think there is just a little bit of, um, I think there's some limbo vibes right now where, mm-hmm. We know that the team that we're going to see after the trade deadline should be structurally different than what it is right now. We're waiting to get healthy. We're waiting for Andre Drummond's situation to resolve itself. And because of that, it's like we're not quite sure what we're working towards right now. Yeah. And they're playing the hardest part of their schedule. So, you know, when it comes to when all those kind of come together, there's just a lot. I've just noticed some simmering dissent on Cavs Twitter because I think they're just like, can we just get the team I want already? And it just can't happen that way. Yeah, and I think some of it is also to the come down, right? Like where mm-hmm. this team was over. Those two Nets games were the the purest of the cut. And, and as I, I joked around with you was, hey, maybe the Nets just suck and we're mediocre, right? <laughs> like, could, could be right. Yeah, it's very possible. I mean, they, they've lost some games, but I, I, I don't think that's the case. But like, this is kind of what we anticipated, right? And I understand that the way that I view sports, especially when it's in a season like this, is different than a lot of people, right? Like, I'm trying to take the long view on all this stuff, whether it's good or bad. You want to get a, an appropriate sample size and whatnot. And I, I think your point about this team being in limbo and we know changes are coming. We just don't know what they are going to be yet, uh, when it's going to occur. Like that can be a frustrating place to be in, especially when you get that shiny new toy, that guy that fits so well with the guys you're already very invested in. And you just want to get rolling with that. And it certainly hasn't helped that the defensive intensity from Andre Drummond has dropped off since the trade. Um, I, I made this point on Twitter, but 
I think one of the things that I some some of that might just be human nature. They've got a guy that's clearly their future. This is not a long term spot for me. Um, I, I think it's impossible for that to not seep into some extent. Another part of it is Larry Nance has been out. And you watch those games early in the season. Nance is communicating out there constantly. We we've, we talked about this even with him before the season, how important it, has, it is to have a vocal leader on the defensive end that's holding guys accountable when they blow a rotation or whatever. You're explaining it to them. You're calling things out. And the defensive communication just hasn't been there. So I think there's a lot of factors that go into it. But at the same time, like, I, I understand the frustration. I, Carter, I can't start my my league season in 2k yet because i know this isn't the team they're going to be after the trade deadline so i'm just sitting here waiting i'm waiting to get that started listen (laughs) i get it man uh and we just kind (laughs) of we just have to wait you know and that's that's what it is uh ultimately we have to wait um and that isn't the most fun thing to say Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I almost am in a weird way glad that this February schedule is as terrible as it is. Almost feels like we're just taking our medicine, you know, taking our lottery medicine. Uh, it's going to this this stretch will almost certainly push us out of the playoff mm-hmm. picture. Uh, and ideally, they can well, kind of. I don't know about that because it is 10 teams that get in. And the other fun thing is once the second half of the schedule comes out, us having the most difficult schedule before the break is going to lead to a lot easier schedule. And we might actually even be a worse team after the Andre Drummond trade. Like, I, I think it's possible we become a little worse, but we might perform better because that schedule is going to ease up. We're going to get those games against Washington. We're going to get uh, games against teams that um, aren't as good as what we're seeing right now. So I, I don't think this... I, I feel pretty good about my prediction of 27 wins. I, I think that's a really good number, and that's where we're going to end up. But it wouldn't surprise me, pardon me, uh, to see. Jesus. A, yeah, that, uh, that that was a greasy one. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me to see a post-trade deadline boost, both from a schedule standpoint and from a, hey, we have the reins now. Let's go rock. Sexton taking another leap at the end of the season. Maybe Garland taking a leap. Isaac Okoro. Jared Allen making an impact. Like, it wouldn't surprise me to, to see a strong push to close out the season. Listen, I, I get that. But I think the counter here is that the Cavs, while they are 10 and 15, they have the the 26th best point differential in the league. Um, yeah. You know, this, they, is, this isn't a team that's going to make the playoffs, in my yeah, opinion. Right? It almost certainly is not. I think we'd we'll, be glad to see them squeak in uh, to that. You know, I, I've said that, uh, you know, my best balance of future and present would almost be getting to the playoff, play in, uh, you know, winning the first game as the 10 seed, then losing. And then you count, you enter the lottery with the seventh best odds. You get some high yeah. leverage play. You get a, you get a, you know, some, some real stakes to close your season. And then you go back to the lottery, go pick up one more foundational piece. And now mm-hmm. you're ready to rock for the rest of the way. But, you know, I, I think you're right. I think, I think missing the playoffs feels more likely right now. But these are the bumps and bruises you take when your team isn't quite ready yet, and you have the young one of the youngest teams in the league, uh, and you're in a transitional phase. I do want to go back to the uh, to the Andre Drummond defensive slippage because Matt Moore, when we had him on the podcast after their early surge, was talking about how he's like, I'm impressed, but I want to see how they do a couple months in. You know, mm-hmm. how, how's their energy level? How's the, how's their 
how's their level of focus, you know, now once the new season smell wears off. Yeah. And I think across the board, it's kind of dropped off, to be honest, uh, for this whole team. So, yeah, sure, Drummond's intensity has dropped. So is everyone's. And, you know, Allen might be a better backline cleanup guy than Drummond. But uh, ultimately, across the board, it's, it's fallen off. So even going beyond the interpersonal stuff, the awkwardness of having a replacement backing you up, I just think there's a lot of slippage everywhere on that end of the floor. Absolutely. And, and that's one of the things you want to see in the season, right, is how does this team respond to a losing streak? Like this is, I, I believe it's the longest losing streak they've had of the season so far. Um, and that has an impact, right? Like we, we want to see them go through this stretch. We want to see, can they kind of pull it together? Can they find a way to dig deep? Even when things are really difficult, when you're on a rough West coast trip and you keep losing games, can you actually pull out of that nosedive, right? Like that, that's one of the tougher things to do in the NBA because winning leads to more winning and losing leads to more losing, right? So um, I, I do think it's a really interesting stretch to be in. Um, well, I'm going back to my mode of almost not looking at the score a lot of times and just kind of looking for those, um, if you're playing chase down bingo, flashes. Um, like you, you want to see them progress through this stretch. And I, I do think it's fair to point out that the slippage is not contained to just Drummond. Um, but this is really informative times, right? Like when we said uh, after the Brooklyn games, they need to win the easy ones before this stretch, which they didn't. They went two and two. And then we were going to see what happens when they're in this stretch. Does this break the team? Are they able to pull out of a nosedive if they get into one? Like this is all informative when you're trying to make a decision on what approach you're going to take it uh, when it comes to the trade deadline. There's still a, a while before then. But if the team keeps going in this direction, yeah, it, you're probably not going to go the buying route unless it's some sort of a splash like Jared Allen where, yeah, it makes sense in the short term and the long term. One thing I will note about the defensive slippage, uh, so far this season, the Cavs have a steal rate of 8.8%. That's good for fourth in the league. Okay. For the month of February so far as they hit this tough stretch, 5.6, 26th in the league. So, yeah. you know, and you I, know, we I think talk losing the uh, the steals leader in the league is a big part yeah, of that for sure. It matters, you know, like the fact that the big, uh, you know, uh, catalyst, that's the word for this team in their early season was forcing a ton of turnovers, getting a lot of easy buckets in transition because at no point this season has their half court offense been good. That's the little secret people won't talk about. Even when they were, you know, 3-0 and or whatever the hell they were, yeah. their half-court offense was terrible. They were getting easy buckets in transition, using their speed, using their athleticism, using their active hands-on defense. When you take that away from this team, and that's why Larry Nance is so freaking important, when you lose that off this team, what you got is an okay defense uh, structurally that very, very much struggles to get easy buckets on the other end of the floor. And sometimes it's as simple as that. And that's why I think Larry might be the most important player on the team in, yeah. in terms of winning. At least to this point, I, I, I think that there's a, certainly a case to be made for that. Um, we we'll want to give the proper shout out to Colin Sexton. Yeah, I mean, I think Sexton is the best fantastic. player. On, yeah, I think he's the, been the, I think he's the best player on the team. Mm -hmm. But I think in terms of getting this team 
to play winning yeah. basketball. And, and just to cover their deficiencies, ultimately. Yeah. That's yeah. what Larry does. Yeah, I, I agree with that there. And I'm really, really interested to see how Kevin Love is used when he comes back. Because obviously, um, they, we've mentioned this before, but the defensive slippage happening before Love comes back probably helps take some heat off his back. Because uh, otherwise, I, I think people would be blaming it all on him. But how they use Kevin Love is going to be really interesting to me. I, w- I was listening to an episode of uh, Nerd or She Wrote with our, our buddy Dave Dufour, Seth Bartnow, and the gang. And they, they were talking about how the stretch big in some ways has died in the NBA because so many coaches seem to be content with just sticking them in the corner where, yeah, we can throw a wing on you. You're not actually stretching the defense. Uh, you're, you're not threatening smaller matchups with post-ups. And they were talking about how it's more effective to use those guys as a trailer in transition, pick and pop play. And I'm really interested to see how they deploy Kevin Love because I do think that there's a real opportunity here for him to kind of be the catalyst in generating some of that half-court offense, Um, especially generating the front-court looks that we just haven't been able to get to this point. And, I I mean, we've talked about it before how it's a really good situation for Kevin Love to step up into, but I'm really, really curious to see how much gets run through him as soon as he joins the team. Yeah. I, I want to see, you know, I want to see a lot of varied uses for love because right now, yeah, you can't just stick him in the corner. First off, the number one reason you can't stick him in the corner is the Cavs actually aren't that good at passing out to shooters in the first place. That's a big part. And the, and the other thing is uh, what you, what the Cavs really struggle with right now in the half court is they aren't able to attack destabilized defenses very well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and to the, I'm sorry, I actually said that wrong. They can't destabilize defenses in the first place right now. Really, Sexton can uh, in ISO. Garland can manipulate uh, def- defenders, but everywhere else, they're a little limited. When when you only have one of those guards that can create off the dribble, everything compresses. You know, yeah. I think as much as we were annoyed with JB for holding onto the Dotson uh, lineup too long against the Suns. I think the big reason is he knows he's got to close with Sexland for the rest of the game. Yeah. Like whoever, yeah, yeah, yeah. once you put one of them in, he's got to play the next eight, nine, 10 minutes. So, uh, you know, because they just don't have enough juice offensively in terms of being able to destabilize. So running pin downs, uh, running elbow touches with someone who can actually make the passes where they need to go. Uh, someone who can draw fouls and make his free throws. Yeah. These are yeah. all things that the Cavaliers are in desperate need of. I mean, their free throw rate is fine because Colin Sexton, I think, has figured it out. Shh, <laughs> don't tell anyone. I think he's figured out that, how to get to the line. Uh, you know, they're 13th <laughs> in the league. I, but... I, I had mentioned this to you last night, but there was a clip where they came back from commercial break and Sexton's just yucking it up with one of the refs and they were just being all chummy and stuff. And I, I messaged you and I was like, you could tell Dwayne Wade's his mentor because that is that is 100% a Dwayne Wade ass thing to go out there and be friends, be friendly with everyone in the oh, league. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hey. Hey Terry, how's the wife? Uh, anyway, didn't help. Didn't help with that offensive foul at the end of the game. Unfortunately, can we talk about that real quick? Yeah, let's go. That was it. an offensive foul, right? <laughs> he literally hooked Cam Johnson's <laughs> arm. 
Yeah, it was an offensive foul because he initiated the hook. Um, I think it's worth noting that a lot of stars are allowed to do that. I think I get it. Young, if Devin Booker it. did that, it would be an and one. I it just wanted really to know with my emotions. I just wanted to note that I think Cavs Twitter maybe had their had their blinders on. We're like, can't I saw Mort on the Fear of the Sword account tweet that Cam Johnson hooked him, and I'm like, no, he did not. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing? I, I think that there is reason for legitimate gripes when Colin Sexton doesn't get the calls that other sure. stars but, get. But, but that what does he is starting, time. but he's starting to figure it out. He's starting to figure out how to draw fouls, which he yeah. could not do early in his career. So and, and also, know, they're getting there. We, we've but pivoted, we've pivoted off it a couple times. I just want to say when it comes to how long JB sat Sexton, I that that was one of my gripes with the game. I thought that they could have staggered them just a little bit more. Even if you want to close, you can have um, after I, I think Dodson actually had a little stretch where they extended the lead, but get Sexton in there uh, at that moment, play him two, three minutes, give him a quick rest and then let him close with Garland. I, I think that there's creative ways to go about it. But again, this is what we've talked about where they're trying to do the best with the personnel that's available. It's a really tough spot when you do not have a backup point guard. Like that is a glaring, glaring need along with their need to get more spacing on the floor, along with their need to get more defensive rebounds. Like this is not a complete roster that, that came into the season with playoff expectations. You have playoff aspirations, but not playoff expectations. So I, I do think um, while I, I think it could have been, uh, executed better in the game. I, I do think it's worth noting all the factors that go into that. Yeah, that's what I was trying to say. I I, I will say this on the back of point guard hunt. I think our dear friend Jalen Brunson has played himself out of any any trades. That dude is fucking killing it. Yeah. And I I just want a backup point guard that's good at basketball. And I I don't know if we're gonna get one at the deadline. Frankie Smokes. Frankie uh, Smokes. That's a, he's, that's a he's dangerous got, game, friend. He got buried. He got buried. Derrick Rose is there. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I would love it, but uh, also he doesn't really solve our problems. No, no. But, I, I mean, I, I think he can bring those Exum-type minutes that we're missing, um, all 20 of them that we actually got over his year with the team. Uh, I, I understand what you're saying, though. Like, there is kind of this sense of longing for whatever this team is going to be. Like, I just want to see what it is because I really have no idea what's going to happen this deadline. Like, I think the Cavs are going to be active because they're always active, but I have absolutely no idea what to expect here. And that's, it's a weird feeling to have, right? Because this is, even though that there isn't the expectations this season, it's still a really, really important one because we're trying to lay the foundation of what we hope to be a very solid playoff team next year. Yeah, I mean, I uh, I had a busy day today at work and was on kind of back to back to back to back meetings. And I realized like, oh, I haven't checked Twitter. Maybe maybe didn't, maybe something's happened. I had one of those like dumb, uh, hopeful. Maybe maybe I've heard. Maybe I got some kind of you know uh, tip or something that something might be happening. And I just don't think it's going to happen anytime soon. We got to wait it out. Take our medicine. It's going to be a long month, Cavs Twitter. Mm. Keep the faith. You know, it is February. Keep the love. Keep the love going, Carter. That's, oh, that's yeah. And that's the thing. I will say this Kevin Love being back, just a little jolt to get me to the trade deadline. Yeah. 
Yep, it is 100% the little shot of espresso that I needed. Um, I, I'm just, I, I still am excited though. Like when you look at last night, the positive takeaways, like I, I thought even though Garland didn't shoot well, um, it was one of his better games. Like I, said I, this I really to, liked his assertiveness. I said this to you last night. I'll be watching a game and I'll be like, Darius is cooking right now, man. And then I go check the box score and he's 5 of 15. And I don't know what that means because, like, I don't know if that's good or bad. But I just uh, – oftentimes I'm like, he's he's really playing well. And then the box score doesn't quite match it, but that's okay. You know, I, mm-hmm. I like seeing what I'm seeing. Yeah, well, I, I think some of that's tied to his assertiveness. I, I thought Sexton was great. Um, they probably should have found a way to get him a few more looks in the second half, but – my God, Mikael Bridges, like that guy is one hell of a defender and can just, he turns your water off. Like he, the, the amount of times that he blew up whatever they were attempting to do on the ball side, it, it was just ridiculous. If only we could have gotten him. That, oh man, I was, uh, I still have lust over him, but you know what? It is what it is, but uh, there, there's still just so many reasons to be excited. Like, I, oh yeah, there, the the long term view right now is brighter than I anticipated at this time. It's just because because it seems like we're a little closer than we thought. I want to get there. Like, Give it to it's, me. It's like Give a me. long it's like a long road trip where I've driven for fourteen hours and the destination's two hours away, and I just I want to be there. I want to be there right now because I'm going to be drinking. I'm going to be drinking my ass off as soon as I get there. <laughs> Good pod, Justin. <laughs> Good. All right. Thank you. Thank you for humoring me. Um, my analogy game is as good as always. Uh, I want to thank all of our listeners because you guys are always way more supportive than Carter will ever be towards me. Uh, no. If you if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by leaving a rating, leave a review, subscribe, unsubscribe, resubscribe, and help cook those books. If you want to be part of the Chase Down's exclusive Discord chat, you can send a screenshot of that review to chasedownpod at gmail.com. However you choose to support us, we really do appreciate it. Make sure you guys are staying safe out there. Until next time, go Cavs.